So we started a couple weeks ago a sermon series that we are calling Jubilee. And this name Jubilee comes from, it actually comes from a place in Leviticus chapter 25 where it talks about the year of Jubilee, which was a, a, a festival, a holy day that, that came about, actually a holy year that, that came about every, after every 49 years. This was a part of the, the Sabbath cycle. And when we think of the Sabbath, our, our minds kind of naturally go back to the book of Genesis and, and the story of God's creation. And sometimes we, we think that the Sabbath is what God did after God created, that after God created, God rested. In reality, it is that Sabbath day that is the, the fullness of God's creation. The fullness of God's creation comes from, from dwelling and resting in the presence of God. Amen? What we see through Scripture, though, is that th that time and again, people have, have missed that, that we've allowed sin to get in the way of that. And so, so for the Hebrew people, God created these rhythms of Sabbath. There was the weekly Sabbath. There were every seven days. There were, were, were seven different festivals throughout the year, and the seventh month had the most of these festivals. There was the, 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 the year of Sabbath every seven years, and then after seven sets of that, the year of Jubilee. This idea of Jubilee is this idea of the, the fullness of what God desires for us. And we're focusing on this now, not because, well, for many of us, the circumstances around us right now aren't the ones that make us go, yay, let's celebrate. But the reason we're reflecting on Jubilee is because we are a people who's convinced that God is with us all the time, which means that God is with us now. Even when the world seems crazy, God is with us. Amen? And if God is with us, then it just might be that God wants to do something fresh and new in our lives, even right now today. And so we're in this journey together over these next several weeks. And, and today I'm going to invite you to join me in, in actually what has become not only one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, it's actually become one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Because I think it's a, a passage that really speaks to us in the midst of of changing circumstances or, or challenging circumstances. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to join me in the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning with verse 4 today. And if you're able to, I'd invite you to stand as we read God's Word this morning. Would you hear these words of the Lord for us today? The Lord of heavenly forces... The God of Israel proclaims to all the exiles I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray, pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel proclaims, don't let the prophets and diviners in your midst mislead you. Don't pay attention to your dreams. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. The Lord proclaims when Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. 
I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have scattered you, and I will bring you home after your long exile, declares the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we all say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, this, uh, th- these words come in, in part of a message that the prophet Jeremiah was giving to the people of Israel, uh, to the country of Judah, after they'd experienced the exile. The exile was this event that just really shaped so much of, of the Old Testament that we have. And what happened was, was God's people, after they, after they entered into the promised land, they, they continued to struggle with trusting God. They, they struggled sometimes when they couldn't see God to put their trust in God, and so they tended to trust in themselves. And along the way, God kept warning them, if you keep doing these things, this is where it's going to take you. But they kept doing those things, and it led right to the place where God said it would lead them if they weren't careful. See, the country Babylon was the the most powerful country in the world. And Babylon sent her armies in, and they conquered Judah. They destroyed Jerusalem. They, they destroyed the temple. And one of the things that the Babylonian armies did when they came into new countries, when they came into new territories, is they would, they would go and they would find the best and brightest citizens of that country. And then they would round up the best and brightest, and they would take them back to Babylon. They did this for a couple of reasons. One reason is if you took the best and brightest out of a country, it was harder for those people to revolt. The people who could have organized the revolts were gone. And so taking those people away sort of left those who remained kind of demoralized and they just kind of succumbed to the powers that be. But the other reason that Babylon did this is because Babylon was a powerful country. Babylon had wealth and beauty, and by bringing some of the best and brightest back to Babylon, they they sort of seduced them into loving what Babylon had to offer. Anyone here today Star Trek fans? Any Star Trek fans? A couple Star Trek fans. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's up with you. I'm not a Star Trek fan. But my best friend growing up was a Star Trek fan, and so I watched a lot of Star Trek And there are these characters in Star Trek called the Borg. How many of you have heard of the Borg? The Borg would keep coming back and they would say, resistance is futile, we will assimilate you. You That's kind of what Babylon was trying to do. Babylon would, would bring people back to their country and they would assimilate them. They would make them become Babylonians and no longer the people who they had been. When I was growing up in, in middle school and in high school, I, I, had, uh, I had this group of friends. It was actually three different friends who were, were cousins. And, and all three of these friends, their parents had all immigrated here from, from China. And it wasn't until sometime in high school when I, when I learned that on Saturdays, they went to Chinese school in Portland. 
On Saturdays, they would, they would go to Portland and they'd go to Chinese school to, to learn the language and to learn the traditions. I didn't know this about my friends until high school because they didn't really like this. They didn't like going to Chinese school. They didn't want to do that. They, they appreciated some of the stuff, but they just wanted to be like the rest of us. They didn't want to be different. You know, typically if when people come to one country from another, it doesn't take very long, but it's usually it's by the next generation that they've just become a part of that country. You understand what I'm talking about there? And Babylon would do this to people. But that's also a challenge. That's a challenge if you're a people who say our identity is not in the land where we dwell. Our identity is in the God who has saved us. And it's really challenging when you get pulled from one place and put into another to maintain that identity. And that was some of the very struggle that, that Judah was struggling with when they found themselves in exile. In fact, there were many people who, who found themselves in, in Babylon who thought, you know, we just have to kind of hang on here. And if we can just get back to Jerusalem, everything will be okay. And we can't really worship God when we're in Babylon because we don't have the temple or the remains of the temple. I mean, what, what can we do? And it was in the midst of this when, when God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. And he said, listen, you're not going back home, but I will be with you. You're not going back home, but, but, but I will be with you. And as you move forward, you will not go forward into the future alone because I will go with you. Not only that, we know that God not only goes with us, God always goes before us. And just as that was true for, for Judah in the exile, it's true for us today. I know there's a temptation to want to turn the clock back like eight months ago. But we can't go backwards, can we? But as we move forward through the circumstances we face today and through unknown circumstances that will come in the days ahead, God will go not only with us, God will go ahead of us. Amen? And we can trust in that. And that's some of what, what the message that was being communicated through these words we, we read here just, just a few minutes ago. Uh, one of the things that, that God says through Jeremiah, he says is, is listen, you're not going home, but I will be with you. I will be with you, and where I am, there you can worship. Where I am, there you can remain with hope and confidence. And one of the messages that God had through Jeremiah is you're not alone in Babylon. And because you're not alone, live your life where you are. That's why I said, get married, have children, find wives for your sons and husbands for your daughters and plant gardens and eat the food that comes from them. God was saying, listen, right now you are where you are and I will be with you and I can work in your lives here and now. So keep living right where I have you. Be faithful to me where I have you. Let me work in your life and through your life with you. And then God tells them to, to pray for the blessing of the place where they are, the city where they are. And that's a, that's a pretty radical statement. God was, was telling his people to pray for the blessing of the nation that conquered them and took them away from home. Pray that those cities, that those people would be blessed. Because when they are blessed, you will be blessed. 
is what God has to say. That's a pretty difficult prayer, isn't it? Pray for the blessing of your enemies. Pray that, pray that your enemies will prosper because when they prosper, you will prosper. That's what God was, what was telling them to do. He was saying there's, there's incredible opportunities for you right here. You know, one of the truths that we know about God from Scripture is that God's desire is not just to bless us. God's desire is to bless all of God's creation, right? God's desire is for God's blessings to be made known to everybody, to those people we like and also to those people we don't like. Amen? And so, so the prophet Jeremiah was reminding his people of this, but he also said, make sure that you don't listen to false prophets. But the false prophets that he was warning them about were not Babylonian false prophets. It was their own people. It was the people of Judah. Jeremiah was warning them not to listen to those who are false prophets. They knew the language. They knew how to speak things in ways that would sound familiar. And, and, and Jeremiah was, was warning them, don't listen to those people. There are some people who are going to say, hey, we're going back soon, so don't do any of that stuff. There are some people who are going to say, our God is more powerful than the Babylonian gods, which is true. But some people said, since God is more powerful, that means God will do these things. There would be false prophets who would, who would get their, their minds uh, turned aside. And that's always the reality. Whenever there are moments of, of crisis or uncertainty, there will always be people who, who offer certainty in the midst of uncertainty. And that's true for us today as well. I think we could echo this. Don't, don't listen to false prophets. <laughs> don't listen to those voices that... That, that claim to, to have a, a secret message from God. You know, I, one of the things I was thinking about as I read this this morning is, is just how many voices speak into our lives. A friend of mine, I heard a friend of mine share something this week. He, 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 said, he said this, he said, when we've been undertrained in the ways of Jesus, we revert to the ways of Caesar. I really appreciated that. What he was saying is when we've, when we've not immersed ourselves in the ways of Jesus, we just kind of give in to the ways of the world. I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, if, if you spend more time reading Facebook or watching YouTube than you do reading the Bible, you're probably undertrained in the ways of Jesus and overtrained in the ways of Caesar. Is it okay to say that? I guess you already did pastor appreciation, so it has to be okay for today, right? <laughs> you know, what are we allowing to form and shape our lives so that we can see the world the way we should see it, the way God would, would call us to see these things? You know, the last key message that God had for his people in this passage is that he was going to take them back to the promised land. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That is, that's an incredible promise. Did you catch the timing of that promise though? Anyone catch the timing of that? In 70 years, in 70 years. So God was saying, hey, good news, you're all going back home in 70 years. 
in 70 years, for I know the plans I have to prosper you and not to harm you 70 years from now. That's not the way we like to hear that, is it? That's not the way we like to hear that, but but God was saying that he would redeem his people, that Babylon would not have the final say, that God would have the final say. But that that time would come and God would be faithful to his promise, but there'd be a whole lot of people who wouldn't see that come to fruition. And so the call was for them to live faithfully today for that day to come in the future. The call for them was to trust that God would be faithful to his promise even if they didn't live to see that come to fruition. That was the call that that God had upon his people, that, that they would go back here's the other thing. When, when God did bring his people back from Babylon, they returned to Judah. They returned to Jerusalem, but it wasn't the same as when they had left it. It had changed too. It was a different place and a different time, but God was still with them. You know, whenever we find ourselves in the midst of, of challenge, in the midst of change, we have a God who's with us. And we have a God who can work with us in the midst of all kinds of crazy and difficult circumstances. And we have a God who will go with us ahead. And often where God takes us to is not the same place we left. But God is with us in the midst of that as we, as we journey together with God. You know, one of the things that, that I think is helpful in the midst of all of this is the, the idea of lament. You usually don't return out of exile without time to lament. You know, we, we sometimes don't like to talk about lament in the church because we think when you come to the church, you got to be happy, right? When you walk into those doors, put a smile on your face. Sometimes we think that, that every time we, we come into church or every time we talk to one another that we should be happy. But you know, if you read the book of Psalms, the most common type of psalm is the psalm of lament. There are these cries out to God of saying, God, don't you see what's happening here? God, when are you going to work? Like, I trust in you, God, but I just don't see how things are going to work out here. Do you know it's okay for us as Christians to lament? It's okay to lament. And sometimes when we skip that, we we, we fail to acknowledge the difficulty in, in which we face. And I actually believe that it's exactly in the places of lament where we often find God. When Jesus quoted a psalm when he was hanging on the cross, he quoted a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And most of this psalm is crying out to God saying, God, don't you see what's happening here? But at the end of that psalm, it says, but yet I will trust in you. I continue to trust in you even though I don't see. It is okay for us to name our laments. I don't know about you, but I've found myself lamenting over these last months. There are things that just break my heart. You know, it's challenging as a pastor, as we have to physically distance, as we, as we have to wear masks, as we have so many people still joining us online. It's challenging to, to miss out on some of those relational elements of our faith. As I think about some of the things I miss in terms of relationships, you know, I think of people who've gone through tragedies. I think of those who've lost loved ones in recent months. I think those of those who've, who've gone to the hospital for surgeries and we can't even go and see them. 
all of these challenges that we face that are so difficult. And then I even look at the world around us. And, and in the midst of, of these seasons of life, you know, over the last several months, we've, we as people have, have dealt with issues of race. And quite honestly, I don't know that anybody's known what to do with these. So some people blame others and then people blame other people in all of this. And we live in the midst of a, of a political season where, where usually the person you disagree with is your enemy. And that tears people apart. And I see all of the brokenness in relationships around us. I'm reminded of the fact that God created us to live in right relationship, not only with God, but also in right relationship with one another. And I lament that right now. And I just, I just sometimes say, God, like this is so broken. How long do we have to go through this? You know, you probably have your own laments. It's okay to name those laments because God is with us in those places. Amen? And God is not only with us in those places, God is with us as we, as we move through those places as well. You, you know, one of the, one of the messages in these verses that I've, I've found myself thinking of so much is that God called his people to, to be his people there in the midst of Babylon, to proclaim the good news of God to those around us. You know, and I just happen to believe that, that we are people who've been called for this day and for this time. You know, sometimes when I think about all the challenges of pastoring in COVID, I, I kind of think, you know, if only I could have been born 30 years older, I could be retired by now. <laughs> I want to have to pastor through this. But this is where God has me and this is where God has us, right? So how can we be faithful in the midst of this? How, how can we be faithful to what it is that, that God has called us to do? Re remember what God said to Judah, you're not going home but I will be with you. And when your future generations go home, they're not going to go home to the home that you left, but I'll be with them also. And I believe that God is with us now today. I believe that, that being faithful to the calling of God is not dependent on time or place or circumstances. The calling that we have is dependent on the love of God. And the love of God has not changed. And the love of God will not change. So we can be faithful to the calling even right now. You know, I found myself wondering, well, what does that look like for us? How, how do we live that out? I'm just kind of curious this morning. Over the last seven months, how many of you have talked to a, a, a friend or neighbor about COVID in one way or another? You're laughing like it's a silly question. How many of you have talked to a stranger about COVID? Like I know, I got my oil changed this week and I was sitting in there waiting for my, with my earbuds on, working on my sermon actually, waiting, waiting, and the, this guy came in and just started talking to somebody else about all the stuff with COVID, right? How many of you, forgive me for this question, how many of you in the last seven months have talked to a friend or neighbor about politics? Okay, some of you aren't sure if we're, you're not sure what I'm saying next, so you don't know if you want to raise your hands. How many of you have talked to a stranger about politics? Okay. Over the last seven months, how many of you have talked to a friend or neighbor about the love and grace of Jesus Christ? How many of you have talked to a stranger 
about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You see where I'm going? It's so easy to get caught up in all of the stuff that is around us. But what is it that God has called us to do? As those who've come to know and experience the love and grace of Jesus, we are called to share the love and grace of Jesus around us. That's what we're called to do, right? That's what we're called to do. And we can get so caught up with all of this stuff that we can forget what it is that we're called to do. And one of the reasons we, we worship together regularly is so that we remember who we are. So that we would remember who we are. And, and the thing about remembering is remembering always leads to action. One day this week, just kind of in passing, Pastor Billy and Mindy and I were, were just kind of talking. It was like raining outside or it had been raining or something. And we were just talking a little bit about the rain. And I grew up on the west side where it rains a lot. And I'm, I'm actually okay not living in a place where it rains all the time anymore. But I remember, <laughs> there's other places in my sermon you could have amen besides that. But <laughs> You know, when I, when I was in seminary, I, I worked at a doctor's office the first couple of years. And there were times where it would just be, it'd be like today, it'd just be gray and rainy. And a lot of the people I, I worked with, they'd be like, oh, it's so depressing. When will the sun come out again? And because it didn't do that nearly as often there, when it was gray and runny, I'd look outside and be like, I want to go for a run. And you know what I would do after work? I'd go for a run. Because it reminded me of where I had grew up. It reminded me of where I was from. And because I remembered that, I didn't just think of that, I did something about it. Does that make sense? When we remember, we act. And one of the things we do today is we remember what it is that God has done for us. There are some people who say that there are actually seven different exiles in Scripture. They'll say one of the exiles is something that's common to all of us. As all of us have been overcome with this weight of something that we call sin. That has separated us from what God has wanted for us. That has bound us. And that has enslaved us. And that we could not get out of on our own. But God reached out to us. And with the love and grace of Jesus Christ, we can be set free from sin and brought to new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? As we remember the love of God that we have experienced, we don't just enjoy that for ourselves. We go and we do something about it. We share that love with those around us. Amen? And so today, we're going to share in the communion meal. You know the words Jesus shared when he first said this to his disciples. He said to do this in remembrance of me. My desire for us today as, as a church is that, that we would remember all that God has done for us. And that we would live faithfully to those around us as a result. Let me pray for us today. Lord God, today as we gather together and worship you, Lord, we're united together. Those of us who are gathered in this sanctuary and those who are joining us online, Lord, today we're united together by the power of your Holy Spirit that is greater than all the other things that could separate us. And Lord, today as we've been reminded of your faithfulness, 
Lord, as we've been reminded of your love, as we're reminded, as Paul says, that when we were enemies of yours, you reached out to us. Lord, today, as we prepare to partake of these elements, by your grace, with this simple meal of bread and juice, work in our lives in fresh and new ways. And Lord, also by your grace, may our lives reflect your love to the world around us so that they might come to know you and experience you and find the, the newness of life that doesn't come from politicians, that doesn't come from the absence of disease, but, but find the fullness of life that can only come from you. So God, today, as we receive this gift, we offer ourselves to you as a gift to be used for your purposes. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. You know, as Jesus gathered together with his disciples on the night he'd be betrayed, they, they shared in the Passover meal, which was the meal of Exodus, the, the story of God's saving power at work in the lives of his people. And during the course of that meal, Jesus took the bread that was before them. And he broke the bread saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. If you have one of these cups, there's two layers there. You can kind of peel off the top one to get to the bread. As we're reminded of what Christ has done for us, would you join me as, as we receive this bread today? the body of Christ, which is broken for us. Let's eat together. Later in the meal, Jesus took the cup that was before him. And as he shared the cup, he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. Whenever you eat of the bread or drink of the cup, do so in remembrance of me. Would you join me as we drink together today? Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful today for the gift of your love and mercy and grace. God, we're thankful that, that by your power, you've set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And God, as those who've come to know new life, would you help us to share new life? Lord, I pray that in the midst of uncertain times, that we would live the kinds of lives that would be beacons of hope and joy and love and peace to the world around us. God, we thank you for who you are, for the ways that you are working, and would you help us to always remember you? In your name we pray, amen. As you go today, would you go in, in the grace and peace that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And would you go as his ambassadors, as Pastor Billy prayed for us earlier today, into the world to be God's agents of reconciliation? Go in his grace and peace. Amen.